Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Capitalism often gets a bad rap in the media, of course, with images of money grubby CEOs and uh, big expenses. Sometimes we just have a really bad view of it, uh, maybe because we've had a, a boss or an experience with an organization in the past. But I think we need to start looking at, is there a way that capitalism is actually part of the solution, both in terms of great workplace environments, but also in terms of social change? And really pleased to have joining us. I've been looking forward to this conversation. Don't go anywhere. If you're in your car, just sit still. This is going to be a fantastic conversation uh, with some important things to think about. I saw a uh, an article in Forbes magazine with the title Purpose at Work, How Cotopaxi's Purpose Moves People, Products, and Mountains. And uh, our friend David Smith, uh, who is, of course, the founder and CEO of Cotopaxi, a great Utah story, a great international story, uh, is uh, has agreed to join us today. And we also have, along with Davis, uh, we have uh, Angie, excuse me, Annie Agle, uh, who is the Senior Director of Impact and Sustainability at Cotopaxi. And uh, this is just a great Utah story in so many ways. Uh, thanks to both of you for joining us. And uh, Davis, I'm going to go right to you first. Uh, just for our listeners who may not be as familiar with the Cotopaxi story, uh, just give us a, a quick snapshot in terms of what you're doing, how you're doing it, uh, that makes a difference. Yeah, absolutely. And Boyd, it's great to be with you again. Uh, always a pleasure to be on your show. Uh, yeah, we're very proud of, of what we've accomplished with Cotopaxi. Uh, Cotopaxi, for those that don't know, it's an outdoor gear brand. We make backpacks and jackets and tents and sleeping bags. But more than that, uh, the reason we exist is to fight poverty. And so uh, I grew up in Latin America, moved there as a four-year-old, uh, spent a lot of my, uh, all of my childhood and a lot of my adult life there, uh, and moved to Utah about seven years ago from Brazil uh, to build this brand that was focused on fighting poverty, on using and showing that businesses can be a force for good in the world, and really kind of helping us rethink capitalism, what the purpose of, of business should be in our communities. Yeah, so, so powerful and so important. And Annie Agle, as I mentioned, was is the Senior Director of Impact and Sustainability for Cotopaxi. And uh, Annie, you've got uh, a story of your own in terms of uh, seeing how organizations can make a difference. Uh, you've been in the Middle East, various conflict areas, uh, and you, you've seen some of those uh, big challenges there. Uh, so I wanted to ask you, Annie, uh, as you look at your mission, your focus at Cotopaxi, what is it that's allowing you to kind of create this environment where you can not only have a, a great company from capitalism, but you can also make a social difference as well? I'd say it really comes down to people. Um, I think, first of all, the way Davis and Stefan founded the company 
is unusual, and it was unusual in a really great way. I can't take credit for the fact that Davis chose to found the company as a benefit corporation, which is a different legal designation than most companies. Most companies historically have had to prioritize shareholder profit over pretty much any other impact that they could have as a company. And so this new legal formation gave Cotopaxi from day one the opportunity to prioritize community and planetary well-being alongside that of um, shareholder and stakeholder reward. And so I just think that that was a really radical change. And I think at the time that Davis and Stefan did that, that was still very, very new. And it made um, me really want to come work for Cotopaxi. I grew up in Park City. And as you said, I had the opportunity to see a lot of the humanitarian industry play out in really heartbreaking ways around the world. And I just had a first-hand opportunity to see that less than 1% of the $1 trillion that's earmarked for aid goes towards anything that makes a lasting impact. And I really wanted to be part of a business in the sense that um, profitable business is a sustainable business, right? It, It can continue to grow. And so if you tie an impact initiative with a sustainable company, that impact initiative is also going to be able to continue and self-perpetuate over time. And so I really worked with Davis to kind of bring this vision to life, to use our company to effectively fight extreme poverty. And we do that through the products and how we design them using waste as opposed to creating waste, and then tying our revenues back towards our ability to give to these very vetted and high-performing grants and social enterprises that really work to combat extreme poverty, both right here in America and also in South America. Um, we're, we're pretty ecstatic with the impact we've had, and really at the end of the day, that also suggests that customers and everyday people are good. They are showing up, and they do want to make a difference, and we're living proof that actually humanity is pretty decent when we're given the chance to be. Yeah, uh, I love that. And uh, we've been talking all day today about just a reminder we all need that uh, on the things that really matter, they really matter to everybody. Uh, and we, we just so often are quick to buy into the, the divisive parts of things as opposed to, yeah, most most people, most days, most of the time are really good and uh, they are going to engage and uh, and help out that way. And I love the fact that, your focus not just on doing some good or, or giving back, but making sure it goes to organizations that are producing outcomes uh, and where the money is really being spent, where it can help the most people the most. Uh, Davis, I want to jump back to you for a second. Uh, in terms of uh, you, you've been a real pioneer in this space, and you've really shown how having a strong and authentic social mission uh, can actually help be a differentiator, a differentiator for you uh, against your competition. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the one of the things that I really believed when I went out to Silicon Valley to go uh, talk to venture capitalists about this idea that I had. You know, I, had, I hadn't sold a single backpack, hadn't made a product, but uh, I moved from Sao Paulo, Brazil, where I built my previous business, and I had some relationships in Silicon Valley. Um, I actually went first to impact investors. I thought, you know, impact investors, I didn't know much about impact investing, but I thought they might be really interested in this idea of a business that's sustainably fighting poverty. Uh, you know, boy, they, uh, the, the impact investors had no interest in talking to me. <laughs> they, 
<laughs> they uh, they couldn't understand how I could be fundraising with something that I hadn't really started yet. And they were like, wait, so you're going to be operating in Utah? You're not going to be in Africa or India? And I just kind of realized it didn't fit into their model. But uh, I, I immediately thought, you know, venture capitalists understand this idea of raising money on a big vision. And uh, I had a big vision, a big plan for what I wanted to build. And, um, you know, I went out to some, uh, a bunch of investors. I ended up pitching a hundred different investors through the process to raise my seed round and was fortunate to have a few investors that really believed in us. Most said no, uh, just like in any startup, but a few of them really believed in this vision and they thought that we could we could build a brand that could sustainably do good. And what I tried to convince them of was that this young generation, especially millennials and Gen Z generation, they want to support brands that are aligned with their values. And I believed that not only would we be a business that could make a tremendous impact in the world, but this would actually be good for business. And there's no better way to change capitalism than to actually say you can actually – do good and make money at the same time if you do it right. And so that was that was the big vision I had for the brand. And uh, we're about seven and a half years in, and so far I think we're we've proven that this this model works. Uh, fantastic! And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna squeeze in one more. We're gonna hold our break for just a second before I let Annie go. Uh, Annie, I want to ask you one other question real quickly. Uh, just on in terms of the the culture that you're creating, everything from the way you you treat your partners and suppliers, the the way you approach and think about ethics and supply chain, uh, as you try to build that into a corporate culture, what have you learned? What should we all be thinking as it relates to those kinds of things? I think you need to live the same American mindset that everyone is your equal. That needs to be woven into the company culture. And we shouldn't be looking at people one way when we're in our personal lives and then treating them a different way when we're in our professional space. And what we've actually found is not only does this increase your impact and frankly just advance better liberal and more humanitarian values, we also know that it builds trust and trust builds resiliency resiliency builds sales and cost savings. And you know we look at our supply chain and our ability to, say, decrease their fabric waste by using it to design our products helps them save money in terms of warehousing or um, incinerating that material, and it creates additional work for them. It makes us and enhances our sustainability performance. And at the same time, we know we're introducing a more conscious stakeholder-based capitalism in parts of the world that are most needing it. And so when you align your business operations, frankly, to just being kind, when you allow yourself to exercise your already pre-existing capacity for kindness and love and your everyday business operations, there's so many wins, just yeah. wins all around. And so I would say for businesses, this is better business. Yeah. It's not just better ethics. Uh, fantastic. Annie Agle from Cotopaxi, along with Davis Smith. We're going to let Annie get back to driving the business because we know that's what she does best. So, Annie, thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> thank uh, you for having me, and thank you to all your listeners. All right. We're going to stay with the conversation a little bit. Davis Smith is going to hang with us. Uh, he's acquired another company in kind of a full circle moment kind of way. He's going to explain that to us on the other side of the break. Stay with us on KSL News Radio. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. 
Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.